Hello and welcome to the new episode of Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable ladies of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. I'm Maria Skobe-Pile, your host. It is such a pleasure to welcome today Hadas Rahamim, Head of Customer Success and Business Operations at Exceed.ai. Haras, welcome to Women in Customer Success podcast. I'm really happy to meet you. Thank you. I'm very excited to join. Haras, let's start by telling us a bit about yourself. What's your story? How did you start your career journey and what brought you in the world of customer success? So I actually started from the product management world. I've done lots of like efficient processes, KPIs, all of that in a pharmaceutical company named Teva. It's an Israeli, very big company. From there, I moved into another like a consultancy role within Teva, where I had internal clients within the company, two or three at a time. So that demonstrated in a way, the work, working with customers, what it means to have like a target, the scope of time that you need to make sure that you accomplish something. And then after a few years there, I really wanted to move into the iTech world. And I went to see what's out there, what are the relevant roles that might meet my experience and my desire. I've learned that there's a role called customer success. And it felt very me, <laughs> something that I can do that I had some of experience with because I've been working with customers, though internal ones. I know it's different. I've learned afterwards how different it is. But I took that and tried to find my way in the tech world. The switch wasn't that trivial. It might take some efforts in order to do that. But That's what I, I actually up- wanted to ask you. Sorry for interrupting straight at the beginning, but it is so interesting when you said you found a role that seemed you. Obviously, there was some that project management previous experience that was such a good transferable skills for customer success. But what felt like you? What were those things in customer success that you knew immediately? That's exactly me. I want to have that role. First of all, working with clients. I'm very, I like to serve and I like the idea of trying to understand what the customer needs, what can I provide and how to better match the two. I really like that connection between the product and the customer to see what's the best match. So I think that started from there. Alongside the the fact that I really liked working with my customers internally. I had amazing ones. I've learned a lot from them. And I thought it might be a good idea. Excellent. You're saying so many interesting things for me. And I promise later on, I will will get you back on that track of your career journey. But you said something about internal customers and then external ones and how later on you realized the difference. And you had a nice face expression. So I wonder what were those learnings? (laughs) What made you realize the difference? First of all, the internal customers that I had didn't pay for my services. I think that made the biggest aspect of the change between the two. It's different. It's like whenever they got you for free, we were like a mini McKinsey within the company. 
So we help with processes, strategy, and lots of other things. So instead of going outside, they can take someone from within the organization that already knows their organization and is there to stay and not just to do a quick project and be done with that. What I've learned during that role, part of it at least, is not to focus necessarily on the target, but building the infrastructure so that the sustainability of that like that it would sustain after you'll finish the project. You don't want just to get to the 100% target. You want to keep it there. So if you need to aim for 90%, it's better off if it means it has sustainability. So with that, I went into the customer success world. And that's part of, I think, my agenda, time to value, for example. Many times people would want to onboard the customers with so many features and let's see that and let's see that. But the reality, all they want at the beginning is to trust you and know that they made the right decision. So the idea is to get them into the time to value the fastest as you can so that they'll know that they're in a great place. And only then you should scale. But start with something that makes them think, I made the right decision. The aha moment. The aha moment. That's really wonderful. You want your customers to come to that aha moment. That's it. We are in a process and we are good, right? This is working. However, it is working. It doesn't actually matter, you know, if there are some hurdles on the way, but it was a good decision. Wonderful. It's really great to hear about those aha moments. And then that's where you started in the world of customer success. Haras, tell us more about your current role. So I've joined Exit AI two and a half years ago. It was a very small company, around 10 people. I've joined as the first customer success. One of the reasons I really wanted to join an early stage company is because I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to experience many things and not just only do my title, but experience some other things. So at Exit, I'm, I'm reporting to the CPO, which is the co-founder, which I think is a very good place to be at, especially at the beginning, because then the connection between the customers and the product is very tight, which is important. So I'm leading everything from pre-sale, post-sale, onboarding, support, customer success, renewal, upsell, all of that. Lots of challenges. One of that is the fact that you help customers from Australia to San Francisco. It has its perks, but also some challenges. But I found it very exciting and I've learned a lot from the process of managing the clients working alongside the product, the R&D, sales, marketing. I've learned a lot during those two and a half years. And happy to share that a few months ago, we were acquired by Genesis. Mm. So the effort bore fruits, and we're very excited about this time. Wow, it seems that you, you are on quite a journey. And it was so exciting to listen to you about all of those responsibilities that you're having. So you're head of customer success and business operations. Can you repeat again how many of those different departments you have basically from, you said, pre-sales all the way to post-sales customer success support? Obviously, there are now lots of questions, but how do you prioritize your time and what do you do at particular time? That's like an enormously huge role. First of all, I'll start by saying that it's like managing yourself. And you learn how to prioritize and you learn to distinguish between what's important and what's nice to have. And you also learn to say no. Whenever you say yes to someone, you're saying no to yourself. 
and vice versa. So I really learned to understand what's my focus, what's important to me, what I'm happy to give and what's not. So it's important in order to manage your time properly. And with that, I think when you're in a small startup, if you don't have the ability to initiate things, you shouldn't go there. Mm -hmm. It's like half of my job was part of in initiatives that I took because I wanted to improve the product. I wanted to improve the QA and the AI and the processes that we had internally. So I took a lot of myself, but I felt as if building the way in order for us to scale and move forward in a better way. And I'm happy for that, that I had the opportunity to try out different things. I've wrote many product features. Some of them really went into life and are within the product and are very proud of that. And other feedbacks that you're sharing from the customer, share that with the product. I think that's very important. You gave us so many great lessons already. But yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said. If you don't want to create and initiate things, you shouldn't be in a startup because that's exactly the environment for creating things, right? And it seems that you are currently almost balancing your approach and work with your customers, understanding their needs, translating their needs into the product features and product development. And on another hand, also making sure that you're working on the processes and that you're setting up the processes for all of those different segments of customer journey. So how do you now, you're still alone in that part and you are preparing the whole journey to scale it up? What is it that you're using and what would be your advice for scaling? So it's a big question. <laughs> I'll start by actually sharing something that I've learned early in my days. At the beginning, whenever there was a bug and the customer complained about something, you immediately want to let them know that they're right, maybe. But that's not really the right way. You need to be very connected to the vision of the organization and what you're trying to achieve. And to really see whether the request of the client makes sense. Does it make sense with other customers? Does it make sense with what we aspire to achieve? So not necessarily automatically like the customer is right. It's not that it's not right. It's just that maybe you need to ask him some questions in order to make sure that you understand them properly and that he understood the purpose of the product as well. Sometimes you'll just learn that something isn't working internally for them within the organization and it has nothing to do with your product. And you know what? Along the years, my customers really thanked me for challenging their way of thinking and offering some other perspectives. So that's part of that as well. Prior question about scaling, when I've just joined, everything was manual. We hardly add any automations. We use HubSpot, the free version, and almost one month after I joined, I've asked them to move into the paid ones because really I knew the workflows and how it works there from my previous company that I worked at. And I really wanted us to be able to leverage that. So I'm happy to say that we did that. On top of that, after I ended up an onboarding session, I had to write down an email with all of the next steps and explain what each step means. And I thought it was not only a waste of time, but also like you wouldn't remember to do everything all the time. And I have a great memory, but I don't want to trust that. That's not scalable. That's not the right way yes. to do so. So I ended up creating a help center. I used the intercom. The next step was to really, like whenever I ended up uh, in onboarding, send out an email with all of the next steps that are related to intercom. By the way, I also leveraged the templates in HubSpot so that I'll just click on the name of a customer and the template, and then it would already 
write down all of the email to me. I think that those are the little things that would make you send out the email faster and for your customer to engage with you. After a while, I found myself being kind of like, did you do that? Did you do that? What about that? And I didn't want to, to do that. <laughs> so I ended up using Asana. We're using Asana internally with the R&D and the managing tasks in general. So I ended up creating a template for onboarding with my customers. So there they have the sections of each step and each task has the relevant help center article. So everything is very clear. The customer received that. He knows what they need to do. He can assign it to someone else within the organization and they can correspond along that task and everything is very clear. So I end up sending out now the email. I just need to say, hey, here is the link to your project. We're scheduled to meet next week to review your next steps. It was great meeting you. Looking forward to working together. That is so, so cool. And I think I'm going to stop you here a little bit because you gave us so much things to digest on. <laughs> so as you scaled, you firstly realized there is obviously a need to use automations, to use the templates, and you leverage your previous knowledge of the tools, in this case, HubSpot. So that was one project really deployed the whole tool firstly. And then you also created Help Center with Intercom, which again meant documenting different scenarios, different product aspects. Amazing. And after that, then you created a whole onboarding template through project management tool like Asana. And now you can really easily just give it to the customers and then you're working together on that project, right? I guess that's one of those dreams of every CSM where you don't have to constantly have those project update meetings with customers. Okay, so what did we do in the last week? You kind of already have a template that you can use and you can straight away see the progress. It's wonderful to be able to use those different tools to help you out and just streamline the process. One of the perks of being the first one in a startup is being able to decide how do you want to handle things and how do you want to build those processes? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think you're so proud and you should be so proud of bringing those tools and processes that you like, that you have proven they work and you can just scale them now. Okay, because I interrupted you previously, tell us more. What else did you start doing? So we already identified a few projects. What was next? The next thing is trying to understand what happens when I hop on a call with a customer. What am I going to talk about? So I'll open HubSpot to see the log of my previous call with them, but I want to see what's the current status. I want to see like what's working, what's not. So I ended up creating a board of my clients within Google Data Studio. I just built a whole dashboard. <laughs> I was able to pick the name of my client and then I'll see the different KPIs, what happened in the past week, maybe accuracy of things. So the KPIs that are relevant for us. And I've used that in order to create the agenda for the meetings with my customers. During those meetings, I ended up showing the customers those dashboards and they were like, we want that too. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's the best feedback that you can get, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we ended up doing two things. First of all, I've created customized reports for my clients. The majority of them have the same report, just filtered only for their data. And on top of that, some of the things in there, we thought it was a good idea to have them within the product itself. It's comfortable for the clients, but not only that, sometimes there's data that you want to show. For example, data that would help you upsell and you want them to be aware of that. 
So what are are they reaching their package limits or something like that? So it's very important to show that. But what's not, it's within like the reports that I'm sending over, which is a nice way for me to be able to control the data that I want my client to be aware of without asking for R&D resources, which as you can imagine, are limited at this point. And it's more important to gain new customers and new features rather than switching from one tool to another for me if I have other option. I think I will definitely explore that Google Data Studio. I need to admit I haven't used it. Now you gave me some homework to do and to see what could I get out of it. It's so interesting for me to hear about so many different aspects of your work. So going back to the whole notion of responsibilities, you're the head of a department. So basically you are in charge for all the metrics or all the metrics of success of your departments and of your customers. What do you think are the most challenging parts of being a head of department, really responsible for driving so many different metrics of success of your own company and of your customers as well? I think the fact that you're aware of everything, so it might take you to your heart, whatever something doesn't work. But then on the other side, you see so much success that you're very proud of. Like if you're proud of your product, that's the best way to be at. There are many challenges. Uh, I think the first one that I saw at the beginning was not really being able to consult with anyone because I was the head of, I didn't have like a VP or something above me to learn from. So I had to find that externally with groups. There are many women CS, there are general CS groups out there. And I think that actually gets me to something else that I wanted to mention. I've been talking to many ladies lately that are in a career change, like they want to move from one position to another. And many are thinking about, should I join a small startup? But I'm not sure. I won't have someone to learn from. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. Am I good enough? And what I want you to know is that you're probably good enough and go for it. Try it out. Let them decide if you're good enough or not. And once you're there, just consult with people externally. They'll be happy to help. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is not to be shy to ask for help. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It just means that you're strong enough to say, I don't know. Can you please help me? So please don't hesitate to apply for higher positions or to be head of. You'll find a way Everyone does at a certain point. So why wouldn't that be you? That's such a wonderful advice. Go out there and ask for help. It seems that you have done exactly that. Do you have mentors or were you reaching out for particular people to learn from them? What was that process? I wonder how do you identify in which area you need help and then find the appropriate person to help you out? There isn't something specific that I can mention. It's all around Pick the places where interest you to learn from, whether it's podcasts, groups, Facebook groups, LinkedIn, meetups, webinars. There are lots of information out there. Pick a few options, but most importantly, network. I've noticed that one of the reasons that I'm going to meetups is not to hear people speak, to be frank, is to know people, people that I can consult with and ask questions. Let's be fair, reaching out to someone digitally and ask them for questions doesn't always seem right. 
So it's usually easier if you have any previous interaction, whether it's face-to-face or comments on a groups or something like that. I do encourage you to reach out to people. I know that many people reach out to me, ask if I can give them a few minutes to, they have a few questions, whether it's career advice, whether it's specific products or tools that I've used. I'm happy to do so. And like myself, many others are really happy to give from themselves and help others. So don't be shy. It's great to hear that. I can definitely relate. Some of the best learnings very often happen just through that interaction and having opportunity to speak with people live when possible. And as you mentioned, there are so many things out there and very often the content is very relevant to what you're doing. Sometimes you're just picking up ideas that you could maybe explore later on in your career or in your work. But going out there and meeting people and networking seems to be really one of the best ways just to learn and grow as a person. And at the end of the day, build those professional friendships, I would say as well, right? It's not only about building relationships with customers. All of that can be done in a very friendly manner and building even friends for life through those meetups. (laughs) <laughs> of course, I've met like amazing people there. Just today, I talked with someone that I've met there, and she's a real friend of mine. So I'm happy for that. What I also wanted to say about meetups and learning from others as well. Sometimes you might hear something and you'll say, well, I know that they didn't say anything new. But it's not necessarily about learning something new. You have lots of knowledge, but you're not always using that. So think about, okay, thanks for the reminder. And think about when you've last used that or when you can really leverage that in the coming weeks. So it's not just about learning something new, it's about using that. Wow, you just reminded me how often I find myself thinking, oh, you know, I just spent a few minutes listening to something or attending particular, let's say, webinar, didn't hear anything new. But you're absolutely right. It's not about hearing information, right? It's about trying to do something with those information. (laughs) Excellent. As we are coming towards the end of this conversation, it was really, really exciting. I do believe I have two more questions for you. And the first one is, who are the people that you admire from the business world? Whom are you learning from? I think that Irit Aizips was one of the first people I've met when I just started. She happened to be in Israel and I took the opportunity and consulted with her. We were just in the process of choosing a few tools and I wanted to ask for someone who is already there. She has lots of valuable information you can find online. Like she also has series of interviews, you can learn so much from the experience of someone else. So I really do encourage that. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned Irip. I interviewed her, I believe in episode five of the podcast at the very beginning. She is also one of my favorites. I told her then, I heard you are a CSM guru or customer success guru, and I want to talk to you. And she was just absolutely amazing and lovely, an amazing person to follow and learn tons from her. And yeah, I need to correct myself. It's episode six. She was talking about finding customer success jobs, but she is an absolute pleasure to talk to anytime. Thank you for that, Hadas. I would just like to end with a question. What is one question that you wish other would ask you more often? Oh, that's interesting. Going deep now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe what else can we do to improve? And then it depends on what you want to improve. But I think that's the basis. So asking basis. you for feedback, right? Or given one. That's really an excellent advice. Always try to improve, right? And ask so you can get some that's clear me. guidance. Yeah, definitely. That's me. <laughs> 
Wonderful, Hadas. This was such a nice conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Maria. It was really a pleasure. Thank you very much for all your hard work and what you're doing for women in the CS world. Thank you for listening. Next week, new episode. Subscribe to the podcast and connect with me on LinkedIn so you're up to date with all the new episodes and the content I'm curating for you. Have a great day and talk to you soon.